Well, this last week we, we started to look at a, at a new book. We're, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians now. And we'll be here for a while. Last week we, we just reminded ourselves of some of the background. That this is a letter that Paul wrote. Um, that, that Paul had been one who persecuted Christians. And, and then through meeting Jesus, through, through a supernatural encounter with the risen Christ, everything was changed. And he went from one who was hunting down Christians and persecuting them to one who was proclaiming that very message that he was trying to, to crush before. Uh, we talked about this letter being written to the church of God in Corinth. A, a city that was, uh, was very important in the Roman Empire. A city that was very prestigious, a city that was very wealthy, and a city that was full of so much pagan activity. That as a church was established in this city, that, that this was not something that was, that was built off of, of Paul's strength as a preacher. This was not something that was built off of the Corinthians' goodness as a people, but this was something that was built on God and the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that can change a lifetime of habits in these Corinthian believers. And we looked at, at that message that Paul gave them. That he said it was not just to them, but to all who in every place would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he asked from God for grace and peace to be poured out on them. Today we're going to, to look at the next few verses there. We're going to look at uh, verses 4 through 9. This, this section of Paul's letter that would be a thanksgiving section, not, not in the sense that we may think of gathering together and eating turkey by any means, but this idea of really giving thanks. <clears throat> and as we look at that, it, it's important, as, as I think about it, it's important to look at the fact that, that as Paul is addressing these Believers in Corinth. He begins with thanksgiving. Thanking God for them. Now why is that important? Because as we keep reading this book, as we keep studying this book, we are going to see that these are some messed up people in this church. That there are some really crazy things happening. And yet Paul starts out by saying, I thank God for you. He doesn't start in with saying, you guys have, have really made a mess of this and this. He doesn't start out by saying, you guys are in so much trouble. You need to. He starts by saying, I thank God for you. I think that's a really important place for us to start. <clears throat> and so as we go through this today, we're, we're going to have a look at, at what it is that Paul is saying as he gives thanks for these Corinthian believers. So we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll read verses 4 through 9. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ 
who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've, we've probably all seen the different, different movies, different TV shows. This, this line that, that comes up, it's, it's usually in a really dramatic way where somebody looks at somebody else and says, it's better than you deserve. You know, whether, whether we're talking about a Western and we have a couple of gunfighters in the street and somebody has done something just, just so horrid that, that he's about to get even better than he deserves. Or, or if it's a teary-eyed mother in a courtroom facing down a kidnapper or whatever and saying, this is better than you deserve. We've, we've probably all seen that line again and again and again in all these different things. And, and, and in every case, there, there's something that was, that was just so horrible that has happened that, that it seems anything that comes to this person is just is it better than they deserve. As, as we look at this letter to the Corinthians, as Paul starts out this letter saying, I give thanks to my God for you. It's better than they deserve. The, the things that, that they have done, the, the way that they have, have come together in, in worship and distorted worship, the way that, that they are, are operating in their personal lives... Paul giving thanks is, is better than they deserve. And so as we, as we look at this, we're going we're gonna to take a look at not what they deserve, but what comes to them anyway from this. And just maybe as we're looking at, at what the Corinthians are, are receiving in this letter from Paul, we may see a little bit of ourselves and, and remember perhaps what it is that we deserve and what God graciously gives us anyway. Paul starts out his letter giving thanks. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Paul gives thanks for this church. He gives thanks for these believers who are gathering together, this, this church of God, as he calls it, in Corinth. That again, this isn't something that was established because the people in Corinth were so good and they just came together to do good things. It, this wasn't something that was established because Paul was a really great man and, and he was able to, to gather people around him and, and really motivate them to, to do good things. That's not what this church is about. In verse 2, he calls it the church of God. This church is gathered around God. It's gathered around what God has done, what, what Jesus Christ has done for these people. And that changes lives. And that then makes us the church, not of the Corinthians or the church that Paul started, but the church of God in Corinth. And Paul gives thanks for that church. He gives thanks, as he's looking there, for, for the gifts that they have received and that they are showing. And ultimately, we see that he gives thanks to, 
not to the Corinthians. He gives thanks for the Corinthians to God. This is the work of God through Jesus Christ in the Corinthian believers. So let's start by looking at that. He, as we said, the, the church in Corinth, if, if you go through and, and as we study the rest of this book, as you read through this book, you see there are all kinds of things. This, this is not, uh, it's not a pretty sight, really. The things that are happening in the church, the, the things, the way they are, are treading down their fellow believers. The way that they are, are just marching boldly into their sins. This is not a pretty sight. And yet, Paul starts out saying, I give thanks. And he gives thanks because of what God is doing in them. This is, this is important for us as we get started because I think, I think too often it's easy to overlook this. We, as somebody described it last week, that church in Corinth is a hot mess. I mean, there was just so much going on there. And, and it's so easy for us to skip right over this and, and get to that and think, what a disaster they have made of their lives. That we don't stop to think of the blessings that, that God has already been bestowing upon them. Paul starts saying, I give thanks. Which means there are reasons to give thanks. One, one reason would, would be the very fact that Paul is even writing this letter. Have we thought about that? This letter that, that he's going to address some really dark things and, and say, these things have got to change. The fact that Paul is even writing a letter to these people is already a blessing. It means that they are gathered together as a church. That, that as they're doing the, these awful things that Paul comes to correct, he's saying, but that is not the way you live anymore. Jesus has done something. There is a change in you. That which you have learned over a lifetime of, of, of dealing with pagan rituals is not you anymore. So now it's a process of, of letting the life that is lived reflect the life that is in Christ. And that's a blessing. Even in the midst of, of the dark things that they're doing, there is that blessing that God is doing something in them, that Paul is writing this letter to them, that they are gathered as a church and that they are claimed by Jesus Christ. These are blessings that are flooding those believers in Corinth. Even when, when their lives might not show it, God is at work there. And he's doing big things. And these are reasons for them to give thanks as well. These are reasons for Paul to give thanks on their behalf. And I'm sure there are many more. There were... I'm certain great things that were happening within the church that go along with, with the things that were not so great. There, there were the blessings within the church as people were able to gather together and, and worship together and eat together and, and 
that that whole togetherness is already a blessing. There were so many things for them to be thankful for. But a lot of times it's easier for us to, to put a finger on those things that are all messed up. Those things that we look at and say, well, well this, this, is, this is dirty and a mess, and, and why is this not fixed? And to overlook the many, many blessings. As we sing that song this morning, count your blessings. There, there's so much for which we have to give thanks. But it's easy to overlook it. For the, the things that seem to tally up that are not quite right. So as Paul opens his letter to this church, he starts by giving thanks for them. Another reason that that we see him giving thanks is, is for the gifts that they have, the gifts that God has given them, and the gifts that, that he sees them using. Where in verse 4 he said, I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. He goes on then to talk about that grace. That in every way you are enriched in him, in all speech and knowledge. In every way, he says, you are enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. Verse 7 says, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see both of those, those phrases going and talking about that grace that God has given them. He has enriched you in all ways, in all speech and knowledge. We, we see here a, a picture of Paul standing before a, a group gathered in Athens where he's preaching to them and declaring Jesus to them. The, in, that, in that society, in, in the Greek culture, the ability to speak was highly valued. The, their educational system focused on, on being able to gather thoughts. You know, it, philosophy and rhetoric were huge. And so to gather thoughts on things and then to be able to speak them well took you far. Paul is saying that of this, of this church here. That they're enriched in every way in speech and in knowledge. He, he's putting his finger right on things that, that even in the secular culture people would say, that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal and, and people will listen because of that. And he is saying that as part of God's grace to them, he has enriched them in speech and knowledge. Why? so that they can go and, and impress their neighbors, so that they can go out into the marketplace and, and be highly valued and, and, and have people gather around and ooh and awe over how great they are? That's not how the grace of God works, is it? They're enriched in all speech and knowledge. And the things that Paul is pointing his finger at here are the things that matter. He's talking about the grace of God through Jesus Christ in their lives. There's this new knowledge. Not, not some knowledge necessarily of, of stoic philosophies and all the different battling ideas, but this one truth that is so important that Jesus Christ came and lived, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead according to Scripture. 
In fact, later on in this letter, Paul's going to talk about these very things as of first importance. And Paul is saying, you've been enriched in knowledge. You have heard this message from me of Jesus. And this is what you need to know. And enriched in speech that Jesus is going to empower you to go out and share that. Because this is what matters. This is what is going to change the world. And Paul gives thanks for the gifts that are given to them. Gifts that are theirs in Christ Jesus. In fact, again, he says in in verse 7, they're not lacking in any gift as they wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's going to talk about spiritual gifts in this letter. We, this, this is one of those famous passages talking about spiritual gifts, and it comes in this context of worship. And brothers and sisters, if, if, if Jesus is living in you, if you have surrendered your life to him, he has gifted you. He has given you what you need for this life and the life to come. Not in a way that, that says it's just going to give things, that, that everything's going to be smooth and easy and comfortable. But in ways that says the good that he is doing in and through you, he is empowering you for that. He is preparing your words to have a conversation with, with your brother or sister or friend or coworker. He has given you that truth that you have life in Him and only in Him. God gives these gifts to all who believe. And Paul looks at this and says, I give thanks. I see this in you. Even in the midst of all the other things, Paul's looking at this and saying, I thank God for the way He has gifted you. The way he has poured out his love on you by preparing you for these things. Paul is is thanking God for this church. He's thanking God for the gifts that he has given this church. But I want us to see that, that he continually points back to this truth that he is thanking God. Even, even as Paul is, is talking about the, the blessings that, that this church has. As he's talking about the, the gifts that have been given to these believers. It's never in a way of saying, you Corinthians are really awesome and you got this and you can go do this. It's always in a way of saying, Jesus is great. And Jesus will do great things through you. And for you. Paul keeps coming back to this idea of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just in these few verses that we're looking at here. One, two, three, four different times we we see Christ Jesus. Or the Lord Jesus Christ. Or Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul keeps going back to this idea. 
that, that there, is, there is somebody who is in control here. As, as he uses that word Lord, we have, we have all kinds of different ideas about it. One is, is this idea of Lord as the one who is the master, the one who is in control, the one who is guiding. And, and Paul is continually pointing back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has, who has already served us in such a way that, that gives us life through him. And he is Lord. He is the one who governs that life. And he will guide. And he will show us where he wants us. And he will prepare us. He will gift us for those things that he is calling us to do. They say God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. That as Jesus is calling these people out, calling them to do things, he is going to prepare them. He is going to gift them to do those things that he is asking them to do. Because he is great. He looks at at this work of Jesus Christ. This this work, as as we think about salvation, there there are a lot of times that, that... we get confused by language. Somebody was asking just last week about, about this idea in, in verse 2 of being sanctified. That, that the church in Corinth, he calls those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and then called to be saints, called to be sanctified. That they have been sanctified and are being sanctified. And said, so how does that work? Because we have this idea of, of being saved and that's done. And then being sanctified, and now Paul's using that word sanctified back here. Sanctified just means being set apart and being made holy. And we see even in these verses here, that work of Jesus in the past, the present, and the future. In the past, that he gives thanks to God for them because of the grace that was given in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, he says, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. What is the testimony about Christ? What is the testimony? It's what Christ has done. Okay, yeah. The testimony is just sharing something, being witness to something. I have seen something and now let me tell you about it. And this testimony about Christ is what he has done. The, The fact that eternal son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. That he died in our place for our sins. That he conquered death and rose again. That he has ascended into heaven and will one day come and set things right. This is a testimony that Paul says was confirmed among you. You saw it. You believed it. It was true. And in that God gave you life. You are saved. And then he talks about God gifting them through Christ Jesus. Calling them to, to be saints and, and to, to continue in this walk of holiness. This idea that we see in, in verse 8, that he will sustain you. And it's this idea that God has saved you. And he is saving you. And he will sustain you, it says in verse 8, to the end. 
guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. On that day that he returns and that everyone is judged, we stand before him guiltless, blameless. Not because we followed the rules right, but because of that testimony that was confirmed, that truth that that God gave us life through Jesus. And the fact that he continues to work in us to finally we stand before him guiltless. Based on Jesus and not on me. And Paul's looking at that work. In the past you were saved and you are being saved. And on that day you will be saved. And some people can get concerned about that. Well, if he's saving me, does that mean it's not all done? If I'm waiting for that final day when he will save me, does that mean that he might not? If Jesus is doing a perfect work, then what he has done is guaranteeing what he is doing and what he will do. Jesus' work is perfect. And Paul looks at this in the life of the Corinthian believers and he gives thanks Because, as he says in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We talked about about all the signs that that were posted all over Corinth. Signs that says this person gave this money for this project and this person gave this money for this project. And and isn't this person really great because he did a lot of projects and gave a lot of money. And and these signs that, that showed how great people were and increased their status. In this passage, we see Paul putting up that sign again and again and again. I give thanks to God for the grace of God that's yours in Christ Jesus. The testimony about Christ. We wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who will sustain us and stand us guiltless in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. We see Paul just putting up that sign again and again. and Jesus has done a work. Jesus is doing a work here. Jesus is going to keep on doing that work. Jesus has called you. Jesus is gifting you. And Paul is just putting that sign all over the place. Let it be known that Jesus is the one of highest status. He is the one we follow. And he is the reason that we can give thanks. Even in the midst of things that look like they're muck and mire and all out of control. Too often as a people, we forget. We get overwhelmed by situations and we forget God's goodness. We, we get into a rut of doing things however we do them and, and we forget about God's power in moving us out. We, we get comfortable with habits and we forget that sin is a big deal to God. And these are things that we see in Corinth. And so as Paul is giving thanks, he is calling them to remember their blessings. Because he remembers those blessings and he is giving thanks for those people to God. And as we look at the work that Jesus is doing in them, 
and we think about the fact that that is better than they deserve. And we look at the work that God is doing in us and we see that that's better than we deserve. We need to remember that grace that God has extended. That we, we give thanks, we count our blessings, and we give thanks to God for that grace, but also in those times that we're dealing with each other. And it's so much easier to just put the finger on the things that are all messed up. We remember that God has given us so much grace. And He has given this person that same grace. And maybe we should be extending grace as well. As we look at at this letter to the Corinthians. We're going to see all kinds of things happening. We're going to see all kinds of things that Paul has to straighten out. But when he starts, when he begins his letter, it is, I give thanks to God for you. Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that your faithfulness far exceeds our own. We thank you for the work that you have done in our lives. For the work that you are doing in our lives. And the work that you will continue to do. Until that day that you stand us blameless. Before the throne. Based on your righteousness and none of our own. God I pray today if there are any here who. Who have not accepted that Lord. Any who who are thinking, it's just not for me, or maybe later, or I'm too messed up. God, we thank you for the truth that you poured your grace out on those believers in Corinth. And you desire the same for us. You desire to give us life and to call us to yourself. God, thank you for that grace. Help us, Lord, as people who have received your grace to live in that grace and to extend it to others around us. We pray this in Jesus' name.